the Holy Spirit, neither male nor female, my guidance, my unbiased being, empathetic counselor, present, my wisdom, the supernatural voice directing my thoughts and decisions, the spirit and my spirit dwelling within my physical being. The Holy Spirit is my secret place. So you just heard from one of my best friends, Esther Gomez. She's a Cubana Americana from Miami, like me. And she recorded that response because a few days ago, I sent a message out to a couple of my close friends, all women of color, asking them to answer the question, who or what is the Holy Spirit to them? What role does the Holy Spirit play? And that was sparked by the conversation you'll hear today with Benita and Jasmine. Toward the middle of the episode, Jasmine shares a wacky story about how the Holy Spirit showed up at her church one day in like the 1900-something, and it completely changed the direction of where their church was headed. From no women in leadership to all of a sudden women pastoring and, I mean, it was pretty awesome. And I just love that she shared that story because the Holy Spirit, and particularly the Holy Spirit's role in church life and in Christian life, is something that I've been thinking a lot about the last year. As you know, I come from a background that doesn't really affirm any sort of Holy Spirit activity, certainly not speaking in tongues or dancing in worship or any of that for fear that, I don't know, it's influenced by the devil or something. Because some are convinced that God works in one particular way across the entire globe. And of course, I'm wary of this kind of thinking as it has perpetuated a lot of toxic beliefs and narratives in Christianity. And this sort of thinking has pushed a lot of people away from God and away from being excited about connecting with God, however that looks like. But on the other hand of this conversation, I've met many progressives who claim to be committed to undoing these toxic narratives, but also want to like throw the whole thing out, especially the whole Holy Spirit thing. In fact, I stopped listening to a podcast that was helpful for me in the beginning of my journey because they scoffed and poked fun at those same sort of Holy Spirit manifestations, if you will. And I'm just not comfortable with that either. Why? Well, Holy Spirit activity is what has saved many black and brown folks. And by saved, I don't mean eternal salvation saved. I mean saved as in survival and sanity. And I know a lot of marginalized communities who find strength and comfort and supernatural connection with God through wildly Holy Spirit activity. And so I don't like to pendulum swing to either side of this issue because God is mystery and who am I to assume otherwise? Anyway, we also talk about liturgy and the beauty of using all of our senses in worship, something that Benita learned and really appreciates from our Buddhist neighbors. And lastly, we chat about something else that is near and dear to my heart, and that's food. Benita and Jasmine talk about what food has meant to them as international students in LA all the way from Singapore. And I'm sure many of y'all feel this too, but food is life, right? And food is comfort. And I know I'm feeling homesick when I start craving my pastelito de guayaba y pastelito de queso and mi cafecitos. And they're usually the very first thing I stop and get when I land in Miami every single time I visit. 
it just does something to me, you know? It reminds me of who I am and what I was raised on and all the abuelitas in the Cuban bakeries who dedicate their lives to the ministry of patelitos y croqueta making. And so I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to tweet at me at cat underscore armas or send me a message via my website, catarmas.com, as I'd love to continue this conversation. And don't forget to leave a review. Only if you like this podcast, not if you don't. <laughs> Welcome to the protagonistas. So I'm really excited about this episode um, because I have two of my neighbors, Jasmine and Benita, and they are <laughs> they are here from Singapore and they're actually studying uh, at Fuller. And so we live in the same intentional community, which I've actually been wanting to share a little bit about mainly because I know I've tweeted about like, oh yeah, I live in an intentional community and people are like, well, what is that? How does that work? Um, but I, I think one of my favorite things about living in an intentional community is that, I think we've counted this before, but we have about like 12, 11 or 12 countries represented. Mm-hmm. There's about, what, like 30 of us? And we all live yeah. in the same like block or like the same little neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so every week we have to, technically part of like living in this community we have to eat together and so we have the option of like eating together whatever day of the week we want but we have to cook together once a week and so what I love is that you can really feel or see or just taste literally taste a sense of like our cultures and our you know where we come from and who we are um, based on like when it's our turn to cook mm-hmm. and I I just think that's so incredible I have this one memory of actually Joyce this was like last year or something and she was on episode two so if you guys want to hear from her you can hear her on episode two but she um she's a Filipina and so she d- one night like cooked this traditional Kamayan dinner where you eat on like these banana leaves and you eat with your hands and you're just kind of I mean it's really community you know you're just, everyone's like picking at the table and eating with their hands and and I just love that because like as she was you know preparing it and afterwards you know she kind of got watery eyed and she was like this is so special for me to share a part of my culture with you and I totally get that because every time I go to Miami and I have like my pastelito de guayaba and I have like you know all my like kibu my arroz con frijoles I'm like oh I'm home you know and so I just love that not only are we do we represent so many parts of the world, but like we get to invite and bring that in with our mm. cooking. And yeah. so maybe just off the top of the you know, off the top of your head, like what is food to you guys? Yes, because I know that we've shared a little bit of food. <laughs> I know um, before uh, Jasmine, she's moving back uh, now to Singapore soon, and so we've had boba together a couple times in the last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so before you guys, or I guess as you introduce yourselves and who you are, um, yeah, if you want to also talk about how important food is, specifically in the U.S. to immigrants, you know, um, mm-hmm. I think it's a big part of like once you immigrate somewhere, you take your food with you, you know. <laughs> and I think that's what's so special about the U.S. is that there is such a huge, I don't know, mix of that. So mm-hmm. anyway, you guys want to? So Jasmine, you want to go first? Just introduce <laughs> yourself and yeah, tell us about yourself. Okay, so I'm I'm Jasmine. I'm from Singapore. And as you were doing the introduction earlier, I I was also thinking because I was like, oh, that's interesting you started to talk about food because mm. food is definitely something that is very close to the hearts of Singaporeans. Mm-hmm. We love our food a lot. Um, we have got, uh, because Singapore, it's a multi-racial and multicultural society. So we have a 
huge, huge variety of food um, available. There was this one incident that I recall talking to an Asian American friend here at Fuller. Um, and so he was trying to understand the food culture in Singapore and he asked me, do you, uh, he asked me if I have like a PB&J version in Singapore mm. that I grew up with. Mm. And I thought hard about it. I was like, what do I eat for breakfast in Singapore? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have a PB&J because I can eat like 30, 40 different varieties of food. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm never bored yeah. and I'm never eating the same thing. Uh, and sometimes we eat food that can be eaten for dinner and in bre- for breakfast. Yeah, oh, yeah. there's no yeah. problem. By the way, this is Benita that's also speaking. And <laughs> I <haven't introduced> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're good. But anyway, yeah, just just so what are you saying? Yeah. yeah. So sometimes we eat food that's for dinner. I mean, we can eat it for breakfast. It's not. It's not an issue. Or breakfast for dinner. Really? Like or what is an example? And... Noodles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Porridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like a Malay roti prata. Yeah. You know, we eat, can eat it for supper or for breakfast. Yeah. Roti prata is like a flat bread. Oh. Yeah. That's crispy and buttery. Yeah. <laughs> and they toss, they flip it and like, like it becomes this really flat piece of, of yeah. dough and then they yeah. fold it up and fry it. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. So, so that's, that's, that's something that struck me because of what we have, like the variety that we have in Singapore. We don't really have a PB&J, we don't have like a classic yeah. breakfast item. We have mm. a classic menu. Yeah. <laughs> I like that, that's good. <laughs> we don't have an item, it's a menu. Mm. And honestly, thinking back, I don't have a single item that I eat every day. My breakfast wow. every day in Singapore is different. Wow. Because they're just so much to choose from. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, coming here to the US, food has definitely been something that surprisingly became a very big source of comfort. Because mm. the way that I thought of myself initially was, I mean, Singapore, we have all types of food. We have Mediterranean food, Indian, Malay, obviously, that's part of our culture, Japanese and Korean. Mm. Oh, we, 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 it's pretty much international mm-hmm. kind of range that we have. I thought like coming over here would be like, oh, I'll be embracing what's the food like mm-hmm. they have here. I'm, I should be fine, you know. But no. Yeah. I need my rice and noodles. <laughs> I need my chili. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to, you know, go back to where my comfort is. And, yeah. And so that was something that I was surprised by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I really take a lot of comfort from food mm-hmm. and it was also interesting because Bonita came with two suitcases <laughs> yeah I would have mentioned that you go you go yeah. I am I am no. slipping it in yeah. so that you can carry on from here <laughs> she came to the US with two suitcases I, I came with one uh, because I, I'm only here for a short time and one of her suitcase is packed or was packed with food items. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Filled to the green. <laughs> one one suitcase, clothes and no like shoes and stuff. Yeah. And then the next suitcase, food, food. <laughs> and some books. Some. She had to distribute the weight. <laughs> so I'm gonna let her talk about what's in her suitcase because I think unpacking that would be really interesting. Uh, literally. Literally. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, you brought an entire suitcase of food. Yeah, I did. So like before I came, okay, 
Well, I was slightly nervous that, you know, it, some of the food may be confiscated because oh, yeah. some, So I was praying <laughs> hard. <laughs> so, oops. <laughs> I don't know whether this will have to go on the record. <laughs> but um, I brought like, uh, we, okay, so like because Singaporeans really travel a lot. So mm-hmm. there are companies that have capitalized on this. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of like pre-mixes. Pre-mixes? Yeah. Pre-made, seasoning yeah, yeah. packs. Yeah, seasoning packs. And um, I brought like, Lots of them. <laughs> so the first thing I did when I came here, I was like, I just laid them all out in, in the pantry cupboard. And I was like, I, I looked at it, I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, even in among the mixes, we don't just have like Chinese food in that mm-hmm. sense. So I'm Chinese, Singa- Singaporean Chinese, like mm-hmm. ethnicity. My, my ancestors were from China. So were Jasmine's. Yeah. And I mean, I have like Malay style. Yeah, I, I, oh, actually, in fact, I brought like, Food from different countries also, like oh, wow. that I procured when in my travels, <laughs> like Thailand. I had food from uh, I think Vietnam even. Someone gave it to me, and then uh, Malaysia. Wow. So like yeah, <laughs> it just all went in. So for myself, food is very important because I'm like uh, my my grandparents were hawkers. That means like um they sold they they had a little like stall you know a bit like a taco truck. Okay. But it was slightly more permanent, like located okay. along the streets. Yeah, yeah, and um, so they sold this thing called yam rice and like mm. side dishes, mm. which was really popular. So they actually earned quite a bit of money from that. Wow. Yeah, interestingly. Um, yeah. And then my my uncle, I have, I'm a couple. Of my uncles also were, were uh, so like they own their own stalls. You mm. know, so. It's a very important part in my life. Uh, I think my tongue remembers tastes quite well, mm. but I've I've learned how to like just you know eat to live rather than live to eat. <laughs> yeah, which is hard. Yeah, and and food has been a huge source of comfort. And you know like when we go back, you know Jasmine like loves to cook. She cooks to distress, and mm. I just enjoy the food that she cooks. Yeah, yeah. That's so that's good. So if you wanna, I guess go back to Jasmine and just tell us a little bit about your background, what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. And- in California, in Los Angeles, and a little bit of that. Okay, so, wow, where do I begin? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a bond. I'm, I'm bond and bred in Singapore. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you cut my veins, there'll be Singapore blood flowing <laughs> out. So, I am what you call a typical Singaporean student. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I mean by that is that because Singapore is a meritocracy, and so there's a lot of emphasis placed on academic excellence, mm. there are a few or rather quite a number of rounds of streaming in, in, during our education, educational journey in Singapore. And so I would be, I'll call myself a typical Singaporean student because I, I totally just follow the system. Um, currently, I am uh, working full-time in the church. I'm on, a, I'm on study leave okay. to further my studies. And being at Fuller, it's part of this overseas exchange program. And so what is it that you do at your home church? So before my study leave, I was the children's pastor. Cool. So now that I'm going back, I will be returning to my position. Mm. Oh, nice. So what is, I guess, like culture, Christian culture like in Singapore? Um, Mm -hmm. I know that we've spoken in the past, Benita and I, and it's... You've mentioned that there is, there is a lot of ties to like Western Christianity, um, and so I don't know. Maybe talk to me a little bit about that. How did you? It did you grow up Christian? Is that like a very common thing mm. in your area where you grew up? You know, right. 
So um, I'm a second generation Christian. My okay. mom brought me to Sunday school, mm. but I think I really like took personal ownership of my mm. faith when I was in college. Okay. Yeah. So it took it took a while. Like I mean, I just go to church because mm. it's fun. There yeah. were snacks. We played games. <laughs> we listened to some stories. <laughs> but I've always wondered, like, is God real? You know. What is it that I'm doing? Why are we not doing other things? Mm-hmm. You know, because in Singapore there are so many other religions as well, and my a lot of my relatives they are not they are, they are not Christians, mm-hmm. so they're either Buddhist or Taoist, mm-hmm. or they are atheists. So uh, you you get to see like what happened in different people, and you wonder, mm-hmm. you know, where do I actually stand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to to go back to your question about how is Christianity like in Singapore, I think once I've committed myself to you know believe in the Lord, uh, it opened up like the world of Christianity to me, mm-hmm. like getting to know people from different churches, mm-hmm. and so I would say that it's a pretty vibrant scene. Mm-hmm. Statistically, Christians and Catholics take up about twenty percent of the population, which okay. is quite quite a vibrant like um, scene there. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Um, so if you want, I mean, maybe both of you want to chime in. You mentioned earlier about um, how it's very, like Singapore is very big, or mm-hmm. I, I would say a lot of Asian countries on academic excellence. Mm-hmm. And so um, what has that kind of been? Like, how has that shaped you or affected you, whether in a positive way or a negative way? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, how has that been just a part of your life? And both of you can chime in on that. Okay, I can go. Um, I think my, my route uh, is kind of unconventional mm-hmm. compared to Jasmine's, or rather even for a typical Singaporean, I think, because while my parents uh, were, were also like big on the meritocracy thing, mm-hmm. I, I rebelled against it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it was like the turning point came when I was about nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I did pretty well in school before that, but when I was nine, I just died. I mean, my math, like mathematics, mm-hmm. my brain just stopped like rejected it because wow. class was boring also yeah. <laughs> I did badly I got punished really badly wow. <laughs> yeah it was quite traumatizing oh actually and from then on like I just hated maths with a passion like I didn't bother anymore I would like sleep in class or like just wow. yeah and so that pulled down my overall grades I still could actually I, I still actually made it to a, a relatively good school but like I just played my way through, I rebelled, I was mm. like, ah, forget it, you mm. know, and, but my, my brother, my parents, they were like, you gotta do better, you know, mm. go to a better, like, and, and, and so the next stage of your life, like, we call it junior college, that's mm. the typical route for the, the elite. I, I rejected that, wow. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to do something I enjoy, mm. um, which was uh, to go to a polytechnic, something like, a little bit more like a vocational kind okay. of university. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I already knew what I, I, I was better at, mm-hmm. which is not maths. <laughs> so I, I did like maths communications. And because at that point of time, actually, like my family wasn't in a very good financial situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I couldn't afford to go to university mm-hmm. in Singapore or anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And I also didn't do well enough to get into a local mm-hmm. university, which is actually one of like, apparently Singapore's universities are like top also in, really? in, in the world. Yeah. Right, so for me, um, the whole sense of, you know, doing well mm-hmm. is very much based on a, per- a very narrow or rather like specialized mm-hmm. scope. It's very yeah. limited scope of yeah. what mer- being meritorious 
really means mm. yeah so a lot of times like I mean people like myself or my my friends around me I'm mean, even in within church, in church itself like you have like cliques who who kind of come from similar backgrounds okay. and kind of more well off and mm. they, they kind of band together mm. and then those who are not really part you know don't really speak their language can't really also assimilate yeah. into the culture yeah yeah, so wow. kind of that's one of the, the ways or rather like the aspects of how meritocracy has also come into the church. So tell me about, um, if you want to say a little bit about you, I know you shared a little bit about oh, your right. background. That's right. But, yeah, I just kind of want to introduce um, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yourself and what you're doing here. Okay. And um, yeah. So uh, I'm Benita. Uh, my name is <laughs> quite unique. Um, yeah, it's a female variant of Benedict. Oh. The Latin, yeah, which means blessing, right? Benediction. Yeah. And my brother's name, my older brother's name is Benedict. That's cool. So I'm Benita. Benedict. <laughs> yeah, on the bands. And I, just, I have a younger sister called Benny. Like, no. Like, yeah, for real. <laughs> if they have one more kid. Yeah, I know. I don't run know. Out of <laughs> yeah, I run out of like uh, Ben, just Ben. Yeah, just ben. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a boy. Yeah. Uh, so I'm here on an M, doing an MA uh, in theology. Um, I actually have an M div back home in Singapore. Uh, and she got into a PhD program. Uh, yes. Now, so Praise that's... the Lord. <laughs> I'm so nervous just thinking about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So I'm I'm here because. Back at home in Singapore, when I did my MDiv, I didn't do anything on along the lines of liturgy and worship, which is the area that I, I see God leading me towards at this point. Uh, so I here to I'm here to just broaden my horizons on, on in this area. Yeah. So yeah. and so both of you guys were pastors mm-hmm. or are pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, we're practicing pastors in Singapore. And so what is it mm-hmm. like? Is there a sort of you know, because I know here in the U.S., like, that's a big conversation mm-hmm. is there are women in, as pastors. And so what's that like for mm-hmm. or what has that been like for you guys? Um, if if it hasn't been mm-hmm. anything at all, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So Jasmine and I are from very different uh, faith, uh, faith tradition backgrounds, Christian tradition backgrounds also. I mean, I mentioned that I'm from an independent church. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Although denominationally, uh, uh, the church is a brethren church. Okay. So brethren churches are known to be traditional. Mm. Uh, mm. But because the Holy Spirit visited the church in nineteen in the 1990s, which That's is pretty... What does that mean when you say the Holy Spirit visited the church in the 1990s? So what happened is that um, there is actually a book that my senior pastor wrote that kind of records what happened. Mm. What happened was um, that during one of the church camps that mm. the church had, um, at that point of time, the church was actually declining in numbers mm. and people were really just discouraged and demoralized. During the church camp, it was just like a normal kind of camp setting. But uh, the camp speaker, which is a pastor, a Singaporean pastor who is now uh, pastoring in Perth, Australia, mm. he was, he gave like a very normal altar call, you know, of like receiving God's love. And then people started to fall over and oh, start wow. to speak in tongues mm. and start to you know uh, manifest and that freaked them out, <laughs> <laughs> that freaked I them out. Why. <laughs> and so it began like months and years of really 
the church coming together and asking the Lord what's going on and mm. them recognizing that oh it is the Holy Spirit wow. oh so that wasn't something know. that was practiced before that no no like wow. tongues or any of that no. wow that's so interesting yeah. come huh? to my church yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting how like out of nowhere that just sort of like happens yeah, everyone's like amazing. yeah like throws you for a loop and yeah. I love that you mentioned that because I feel like right now in so many conversations like that you know here in the US among mm-hmm. like conservatives and progressives mm-hmm. that there's especially I, w- I mean I, I guess I'll focus around progressives because I would consider myself progressive now but there is a lot of pushback against like oh well you know that sort of mm-hmm. holy you know quote I'm gonna put in air quotes holy spirit activity right. you know um there's more of a push toward well um how can we how can we see the holy spirit moving in like our social action or mm. our which i 100% think that we need to do but it's almost like people are weary and i get it because there's a lot of maybe trauma and a lot of negative um mm. i don't know you know like a lot mm. of not like things have been pushed upon people that right. have been said it's the holy spirit they're like right. yeah the, you know the holy spirit this when maybe it wasn't <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. but anyway i still have to say that um I don't know. I've I've felt like there has been such a negative view of mm-hmm. um, that sort of Holy Spirit activity mm-hmm. among progressives, and and that's something that I want to push back against. Like I think you know, in a lot of countries all over the world, and especially in the global South, Latin America, and a lot of parts of Africa, like that sort of Holy Spirit activity is huge, mm-hmm. and it's like one of the main ways that people talk about God moving, yeah. right? Like yeah. through tongues and yeah. through miracles and yeah. through all that sorts of stuff, and mm-hmm. so. I think it's very um, elitist and very mm. to say, well, no, you know, we're going to, that's weird or mm. that's, you know, no, I mean, mm. we have to be able, if we're, if we're about justice and, mm. and the Holy Spirit is moving in all these sorts of parts of the world in that way, then, then we need to be open to that. And, and yeah. So anyway, that's my soapbox about that, but <laughs> I'm really glad that you brought that up. Mm. So you were saying that. So all that started happening, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and then your pastor, everybody started freaking out. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of like uh, got us out of our normal brethren comfort zone. Wow. And yeah, and so that's why now I often tell people that, you know, our church is basically brethren in disguise. <laughs> we still retain that brethren because we, we, we do want to honor the brethren distinctiveness okay. in terms of like, oh, this word is so hard plurality in uh-huh. leadership yeah and also like a lot of um, emphasis on uh, making sure that things are aligned with the bible yeah and, and, and things like that and so yeah i i like how you talk about like acknowledging what's happening in yeah. the different cultural mm. kind of settings and realizing that you know maybe maybe god was there yeah yeah yeah, mm. yeah. and so like in my church because of that whole revival mm-hmm. um, I think there was a sense of there was an openness there was an acknowledging that okay mm. the Holy Spirit is very much active and the Holy Spirit can manifest himself in this manner mm. and um, I think part of it that comes uh, along with such openness is also the openness of having women taking up leadership mm. positions so, so that wasn't a thing before that 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 is something that I'm not entirely sure, but okay. I know that the really traditional brethren churches, which mm. my church used to be, women needs to wear a view. Mm. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah they need mm. to wear a view when they are in service. So I would think that yeah. at that time, it's a huge jump. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from wearing a veil to pastoring. <laughs> I know, right? 
And so, um, like currently at my home church, the executive pastor is a female. Wow. Most of the Chinese pastors, Chinese pastors, as in like pastors for the Chinese congregation, they are female. Um, female preachers preach mm-hmm. almost on a weekly basis. Wow. Um, it's pretty common. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool that that was birthed from just some wacky Holy Spirit activity, I know, right? right? Like, I don't know, I think that's just, really cool. I think that's the biggest plot twist ever. Right? <laughs> and I think that's the way God works. I mean, whether you practice tongues, whether you are a part of a congregation that does or not, whatever your view, I think it's important to just be like, acknowledge, you know, like you said, just acknowledge it and like, okay, that's a thing that happened. Awesome. Like, you know, it's part of, of living in a diverse world with diverse um, beliefs and yeah. denominations and practices. And yeah. that's cool. Yeah. That's a good story. Yeah. So how about you? What's been, I know that you guys grew up very differently. Yeah. So what's yeah. been your experience? So it's the other side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, um, so I think it's actually very fascinating that like, uh, what I understand is very much earlier on, you know, when the church was first, uh, kind of first started. Actually, like it was in the eighteen seventy, mm-hmm. like when the church was kind of starting, you know, this Chinese church. And what I understand is actually like met like using gifts, for example, maybe not speaking in tongues, but like um healing, you know, kangui mm-hmm. English exorcism. Exorcism. <laughs> Thank you. What's the word? Exorcism. exorcism. Oh no, the word oh, in kangui, like chasing ghosts, literally. Ah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. They they were very common, but. Mm-hmm. As, as time went by, uh, it became a very, you know, we don't talk about it. We don't openly um, so-called embrace that, that we are called into this spiritual warfare. Yeah. It became a very pietist, mm-hmm. intellectual kind of faith, mm-hmm. you know, that I, I remember growing up in. And, and so, um, Pentecostalism was met with a lot of suspicion. Mm-hmm. So I, can, I remember, like, when I first started, asked my parents whether I could visit a different church. One of the first things they asked me was, is it a Pentecostal wow. church? And to them, there was a negative connotation mm-hmm. that came with it, like what you were saying, yeah. you know, like um, how people are like suspicious and afraid mm-hmm. and because no one has really were able to like articulate what yeah. was actually going on mm-hmm. and like provide all the biblical yeah. support, so to speak. But which is fascinating because, I mean, I, I would imagine that, like what I was saying, when the church first started, these were so common. Yeah. You know, and then when Singapore became modern, mm-hmm. you know, all these, like, mm-hmm. just, at least in my circles, Presbyterian, by the way, <laughs> yeah, kind of started to be, you know, like, phased out or just maybe manifestations weren't that common anymore yeah. or they were just mental illnesses, you yeah. know? Um, so, yeah, I, I grew up with, with that similar, uh, I mean, a similar perspective. Mm-hmm. I was also like, I'd be like, hmm, okay, you know, like, yeah. nah, you know, we, we know what we're doing and we can say what we're doing, so we yeah. are right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that was like my experience growing up. But but after I, I actually was when I went to Bible college, um, Singapore Bible college, I had a lot of friends who were from different uh, Christian tradition backgrounds and they were, you know, moving in the spirit so much in terms of the, the gifts that well, my tradition supposedly says have ceased mm. um, which actually is is not supposed to be <laughs> anyway um, <laughs> and I think that really opened my eyes to see that my friends who can articulate what they are practicing yeah. and you know loving God and doing so much more than than what you know an intellectual position on yeah. something fails to, to carry out in that sense. 
I really had to start rethinking and yeah. praying about it. And yeah, so secretly, I'm a press-be-medic. <laughs> I'm press-be-medic. <laughs> yeah. So no, but I, I do it. love, like you said, um, you know, when you start seeing other people, like they're loving God and then the way that they're living out their lives mm. is like, there's no denying that there's like something there yes, and like, who sure. are we to be like, yeah. well, you know, yeah. like, and yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, that's what we always talk about, right? Bearing mm-hmm. fruit. And, and I know that's like a very Christian-y mm-hmm. phrase, but mm-hmm. yeah. you know, yeah. Like, are you like, do I see like God's activity, God's love, mm-hmm. God's justice yeah. in you? Yeah. And if I do, then, yeah. okay. If you want to speak in tongues or if you want to, you know, be Anglican and just, you know, have icons or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. I feel like it, it that shouldn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's cool. So then as far as like female or pastors oh, right. okay. and yeah. I was trying. I was like a bit, a little bit um, amused thinking about things just now because we have, you know, like Presbyterian church, yeah. right? And technically, Calvin is really not like against women in ministry. He has his concerns, but he is still open. But the thing is, what I see or I have observed, at least in in my circle, is that a lot of theology that we try to do is kind of culturally bound, also. Mm. I mean, like trends, like there's at one point of time, I've, I, I heard some dispensationalist um, views mm-hmm. being taught in, mm-hmm. in over the pulpit or in, among the leaders, which to me is like Calvin is not dispensational, mm-hmm. you know? So like if we want to talk about us being a, a denomination and what we actually practice or teach, yeah. you know, what we, we attain, obtain, again, still kind of from the West because internet, uh, yeah. it's... It, it still trickles in and, and shapes and moves among the leaders. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have like, yeah, denomination and then practice, right? I mean, denominational theology, yeah, and then theory and practice, and, and what is actually going happening on the ground. Mm. Uh, and I do love that you mentioned that Cal, about Calvin, um, because that's something that I, I noticed too. I, I took a class and mm-hmm. we had to read, you know, mm-hmm. it was specifically Calvin and his view of women. Mm-hmm. And as I'm reading Calvin, I'm like, it's not that bad. Yeah. I was like, I feel like Calvinists are way worse than Calvin. That's right. <laughs> like, there you go. That's I'm true. like, how does it, you know, yeah. but it makes sense, right? Like Christians are, they do not rightly represent Jesus. So. <laughs> oh, <dang. laughs> so off the <laughs> So I feel like it's the same thing with Calvin. I'm like, if you actually sit there and like read, you know, and really dig deep into this, it's, it's so different, yeah, practice versus what people say or theory or what people believe. Um, so, yeah, I just always find that so amusing when, yeah. I, when I get into yeah. it. Take one back for him. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what is it, you, you were talking about liturgy, and mm-hmm. then now that's kind of like your focus. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, what is it that you're, I don't know, as far as like liturgy goes, what do you want to get into or study? Or... Yeah. So, what, what really struck me... Uh, started to or like develop this desire means that I've always been interested in music but I never saw really how you know music was just a tool Mm -hmm. to accompany worship you know uh, and and that was that Mm -hmm. Um, but like I never realized how important uh, music was in terms of the whole flow of the order of service or you know what we are doing in our churches um, uh, the kind of people we are shaping through just that weekly uh, uh, liturgy that we carry out together. And when I, because I have a heart for Thailand uh, and um, and my, my various mission trips to Thailand showed me like, okay, you know, like these are 
people who are so rich in culture mm-hmm. still. You know, Singapore kind of like, we are a mix of everything already mm-hmm. and it's hard to say what's exactly Singaporean. But for Thais, um, they, they have such uh, uh, yeah, rich cultures and like, they are, uh, and their nationality is, is closely tied to religion. Mm-hmm. So to be Thai is to be Buddhist. Um, and their Buddhist is of a more folk uh, uh, strand of Buddhism, uh, which uh, syncretizes with animis, uh, animism and spirit worship uh, rather than pure form. And, you know, when you step into a Buddhist temple, uh, you instantly feel and or you can sense like how much space and place, you know, visual, material, mm. uh, smell, the senses, you know, how much is engaged in that. Mm. Uh, but contrast that with t- then you ask them to become a Christian mm-hmm. and they walk into a, a nice empty church yeah. <laughs> with maybe just a cross on on the yeah. build in the building and you get and instead of like you know in their p- postures of, of how they express um, piety or worship you know kneeling down you know hand movements mm-hmm. um, speaking you know it becomes a very Okay, sit down and just listen, mm. and, and only use your brain. Yeah, you know, There's kind no of engagement really with. Like, yeah, with your senses. Yeah. So, if we are going to talk about liturgy, um, for people, you know, in, uh, from a very different cultural background, and where where is this? Why is this that? Why is that gap or that? Mm. Yeah. That uh, yeah. 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 You know, removing them from a, a culture that is so beautiful and rich mm-hmm. in itself. Yeah. You know, but how do we actually like? you know, hold these two intention yeah. without also like leading them perhaps into like yet another syncretized faith. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that struck me and, and I want to be researching upon, you know, how can we help Asian cultures, many cultures, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> think through and, and yeah, think through and, and be able to embrace their aesthetics and, yeah. and, cult- and worship God in the, in the heart language that really resonates with them. That's so good. I love that and I think that's so right like that to be able to step into a church and it be a full body a full mm. mind experience mm. yeah. Yeah. yeah because it's true that's not that isn't yeah. what it's like a lot of the time um, and maybe that's something that we can learn from our Pentecostal brothers and sisters yes <laughs> yeah because they're I, get, I think they get that a little bit more mm. um, and even well I think even so like if you go to a lot more um, high church um, mm. churches you know with incense and like mm. there is a lot more of like mm. but yeah I think it would be a cool like, thing to be able to marry the two like you said that's really cool mm-hmm. so I just kind of want to hear lastly uh, what what's kind of been your experience living here what are some things that you like or you dislike or yeah some things that you miss from home or just cultural differences yeah. wow this is a big question. Yeah. <laughs> you have two minutes. <laughs> yeah, just two minutes. Oh, I have to pack my whole um, Right off the bat, um, Benita and I, when we first came to the US, uh, because we came in at the same time, <laughs> the first thing that we started to discuss about was language. Mm. Uh, because even though English is our first language in Singapore, the way that we use it is very mm-hmm. different. The mm-hmm. way that we pronounce yeah. things um, mm. is very different. And and so realizing that people don't always understand us mm. the way we thought they mm. are able to. Okay. Yeah. Also because embedded in the language that we use is an entire 
system of thought that we have grew up with and we have taken for granted. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? If you want to unpack that. Maybe we, we, we just talk like in the way we normally talk law and then see, <laughs> see what comes out of that can. No, that's English. <laughs> yeah, I just... Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> that will take more than two minutes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> la. I, I think one of, one of the... I mean, just to pick a few simple examples like the way we understand certain words okay is very different for example and or maybe certain words that we use can seem to be very direct mm. and a bit too forthright mm. when actually embedded in that in that is a voice of concern mm. or a voice of like i'm telling you because i care for you yeah i don't think but these are unspoken and they're all embedded inside because mm. that's just the way we use language mm-hmm. back in our cultural setting. And so because of all these unspoken things that are beneath what is spoken, mm-hmm. sometimes we meet with um, misunderstandings yeah. when we talk to, with people or when people don't quite understand what we're trying to say. Mm-hmm. Or they I get don't. that. I get that. <laughs> I have the same issues. <laughs> Or they don't know how to respond to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes we feel like, is it us? Did mm-hmm. we do something wrong? You know? Nope. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And yeah. so learning to navigate that and trying to find a middle ground. Yeah. Um, yeah. Has been something that is featured quite quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, in our time here. Yeah, because we have to interact with people and we want to interact with yeah. people here. Mm-hmm. And so there is a need to then find that middle ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Knowing that I also acknowledge people would not be able to fully understand where I come from. Yeah. Like just to take an earlier example when I talk about PB and J. Yeah. When I was sharing with my friend that we just don't have a PB and J version mm. in, in Singapore, he was quite like he looked like he didn't know how to respond. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. Because it's out of his mental yeah. category. Yeah. yeah. How can you not have a PB and J? Yeah. We just don't <laughs> Good. Yeah. So 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 things like that. Yeah. yeah. And 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 I think that's probably one of the biggest thing that I have kind of learned uh, managing the cultural difference mm-hmm. here in the US. Yeah. 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 Just quickly building on that, like, I mean, we all knew about like America, right? Through through like media, social media, mm-hmm. and entertainment. But that's just one facet of American oh, yeah. culture. Mm. It's like, I mean, we have been here as tourists, mm. um, but living here, wow, it's really a different yeah. thing. You know, when you really want to like hear and understand and know, um, yeah, the issues that, that seem to be very just, you know, on the surface level. Mm. I think that's something I, I really uh, started to be like, okay, I need to take a step back. I need to listen and I need mm. to like just understand more. And I'm like, oh, this place is crazy. <laughs> Give me an example. Like what it's, would you say? Um, yeah, I think maybe like the whole race, uh, racial yeah. tensions mm. around here. Because in Singapore, we are multiracial and kind of we take that for granted yeah. that, you know, everyone is in racial harmony, yeah. you know. But now peeling back the layers even over here makes me also start to think about what's happening back home. Yeah. You know, because... I had to admit to myself that I'm kind of like a, a white female back home, mm, equivalent, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and that I have my blind spots also now, yeah. you know, that like what I didn't see uh, back home, you know, I mean, what I'm seeing here is something that I didn't see back home, mm. and, and it's making me uh, reconsider, and, and it's humbling, but I'm, I'm glad that I'm learning these things. Yeah. 
uh, but it's very tiring, you know, sometimes yeah. like, just like, oh, like going back, you know, Jasmine and I will be like talking about it and we are like processing and be like, wow, you know. Yeah, we keep each other sane. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not easy. No, it's and, heavy. Yeah, yeah, it wears on you. Just like that constant, yeah, just constantly thinking and talking about mm. justice issues and what's going on in the world and mm. race and like, mm. you know, there there does definitely need to be. And that's why a lot of Christians, um, you know, here are specifically always talking about like rest and Sabbath because mm. you need to, it's just heavy stuff constantly. It's yeah, yeah. It's really intense. Intense. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, like, just yeah. to also mm-hmm. explain a little bit, uh, when Bonita said that we are a bit like white female kind of version mm-hmm. in our context, because Chinese is the majority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just the majority of the privilege. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Singapore. And so, I mean, just to kind of balance things out, I feel like mm-hmm. the Singapore government did a good job in trying to push forward. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, definitely they honor that ethnicity because we our four we have four main languages mm-hmm. Chinese English uh, Malay and Tamil mm-hmm. and any national announcements or mm-hmm. bulletin will always be in four languages oh, okay That's yeah. Interesting. yeah and our national anthem is not in English it's in mm-hmm. Malay and mm-hmm. that is to honor the heritage of the land mm-hmm. um, we do have um, things in place to kind of make sure that we mingle yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. and so I would say that coming here made me realize that I like to introduce myself as a Singaporean mm-hmm. Chinese. So yeah, race yeah. issues, yeah. language issues—that's yeah. how we navigate our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, speaking in Singaporean when we get, uh, in English when we go home. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to speak in full sentences, which yeah. requires a lot more mental strength. <laughs> uh-huh. And we can speak in multiple languages. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. which is fun. Yeah. I get that when I go to Miami, it's nice to be able to speak Spanglish. <laughs> Spanglish. Oh, so, yeah, right. just be able to like, oh yeah, yeah. But anyway, this was good. Thank you guys for um, just sharing even just a little bit about where you guys come from and how you process mm-hmm. and how you view things and what it's like to be a Christian in different parts of the world. So I think that's really interesting and, and very important for you know people, especially people that listen to this podcast, to mm-hmm. be able to understand yeah. and yeah, yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks yeah. for the air time. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You are taking it. Huh? <laughs> Trying to see that energy. <laughs>